In light of the, the song, we're standing on holy ground. We were at, uh, Jeanette and I were at Manifest uh, last night, and one of the things that Austin French there reminded us is, was that we were standing on holy ground, that, that uh, we'd not have that moment back again. And think about that anytime we come to worship. The, the exact same number of people that are here probably won't be together again. The exact combination may not be together again. Every time we come together, it's holy ground. Uh, and I think that's worth remembering as we uh, come in to worship. So let's praise the Lord and uh, thank Him that we've come to this holy moment, that we've had the privilege uh, and the continued privilege of being here worshiping together today. Let's pray. Lord, indeed, we stand on holy ground, not because of any holiness of our own, but because you've chosen in this moment to put all of us here together. You've chosen the people that sit here. You've chosen the children who are downstairs, and you set aside this moment as holy unto you. 
So I pray that we will honor this moment, that we'll make the most of this moment, that you'll fill us with your spirit, that we'll hear your word, that we'll understand your word, that we'll apply your word to our daily living. We ask all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, I'm sharing this morning just one verse, but I'm also going to share many others as I go along. But in terms of uh, the opening reading, is from John uh, 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. Well, while on sabbatical, uh, I wanted to read uh, the, Paul's pastoral letters, which are First and Second Timothy and Titus. But I also wound up reading First uh, and Second Thessalonians, uh, uh, Philemon, Hebrews, First and Second uh, Peter, uh, as well. And I read from the New Jerusalem Bible because I had uh, learned over the years that that's often a good translation for meditation, just because of the the wording of it. But what I really wanted to do was to focus on these letters because I wanted to read uh, what Paul and Peter had to say to the church, their advice to the church and the church's leaders. I wanted to be reminded while on sabbatical what it meant to be a leader in God's church. And one word kept coming to my attention over and over and over again in those readings, and that is the word love the word love. I either heard Paul and Peter praise the church for their love, or he instructed them to love, or he recommended a concrete way for them to love. Very first reading, first day in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'm just going to share quickly some of the readings. And by the way, these quotes are from the New Jerusalem Bible. We always thank God for you all, mentioning you in our prayers continually. We remember before our God and Father how active is the faith, how unsparing the love. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we must always thank God for you, brothers, quite rightly, because your faith is growing so wonderfully, and the mutual love that each one of you has for all never stops increasing. 1 Timothy 1.5, the final goal at which this instruction aims is love, issuing from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a sincere faith. 1 Timothy 6.11, you must aim to be upright and religious, filled with faith and love, perseverance, and gentleness. And by the way, the word perseverance kept coming up in, in all of my readings as well, particularly uh, in 2 Timothy where Paul instructed the people to expect hard times, to endure, and to stand strong and refute falsehood. But even when Paul was telling them to refute falsehood, Paul instructed them in 2 Timothy 4 to refute it, correct error, give encouragement, but to all do so with patience and with care to instruct. Titus 3, verse 1, do good. Verse 2, be peaceable and gentle. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, preserve an intense love for each other, since love covers over many a sin. 
I could go on and on with readings from these letters and how the word love came to the forefront. I could also show you my journal, and you would see how it was mostly a questioning of whether I indeed loved in that manner. There were times when it was an outright confession that I knew that I did not love in that manner. I wrote things like, Lord, I know my love is not unsparing enough. Lord, I know you're calling me to love my people more. Actually, I should say it better. Lord, you're calling me to love your people more. Give me energy. Give me compassion. Make my love for the flock more intense, O Lord. I wrote a lot more, and the Lord challenged me in numerous ways, and most of those, at least for now, are going to stay between me and the Lord. Here's the thing, church. I believe Danny Redmond and Stuart Presbyterian and every pastor and every church must grow in love. We have come out of a very difficult and challenging time, and there's challenging times ahead, but those times have sought to divide us. They sought to divide us on matters like COVID and politics and, and how we handle racial equality, on, on gender issues. There, there's still so much division and alienation and suspicion in our world. And Stuart Presbyterian, you did better than most, many other churches. But I believe the Lord is calling you and I, and I know He's calling me to renew my love for Him and our love for one another. I believe He's calling you and I to a deeper, deeper mutual love. And that's why this chapter in John 13 is so important. 1 Corinthians 13 is often called the love chapter, and, and well, it should be because it tells us how to love with patience and kindness and without envy or boasting and so forth. But John 13 is sometimes referred to as the other love chapter because Jesus gives us a command to love. And he not only instructs us to love, but he shows us how to love. If you too believe God is calling us to a deeper, richer, mutual love for one another, I want to ask you to look with me at John 13 this week and, and the next couple Sundays. Verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, so he knew his time was limited, but having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now I need to seek to be very clear about something. Jesus loves the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But there is a love that Jesus reserves and has only for those who are his own. And we can understand that in human terms. We love lots of people. But the love we have for our spouse is a special kind of love. The love we have for our children and our grandchildren is a unique and special kind of love. The love for our parents is a unique and special kind of love. I thought a lot about the love for children. There's something about that first time you hold that child in your arms. It's just, you can't describe it. There's no words for it. And mothers experience it before we dads do. There's a bond that starts in the womb that, that only a mother can understand. So there's a unique kind of love that we have. 
And Jesus is saying, I've got a unique and special kind of love for my own. You see, when Jesus walked the earth, he loved all people. But in chapters 13 to 17, where we're going now, Jesus withdrew from the world. And he gave special instructions to his own. And in chapter 13, he, he told and demonstrated to his own how much he loves them. And who are his own? Were there those for whom Jesus is about to die? There are those who are regenerated. There are those who are born again. They are those who will receive eternal life. Those are Jesus' own. James Montgomery Boyce, in his commentary, puts it this way. The difference between God's relationship to the world and his relationship to his own has sometimes been stated this way. God has done some things for all people. That is for everyone in the world. He has created them. He has sustained them. He has even tolerated them and thus kept them for a time from hell. But on the other hand, God has done all things for some people. These are his own. They do not lack and will never lack any good thing. So what's God done for us? Well, in chapters 13 to 17, John's going to tell us, Jesus is going to tell us there some of the things he's done for us. Jesus specifically, number one, loves those who are his own, chapter 13. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for those who his own are his own, known as heaven. Jesus has sent another counselor, the Holy Spirit, another advocate, a replacement for himself uh, that will dwell within those who are his own. Jesus commissions his own, chapter 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, fruit that will abide or fruit that will last. Number five, Jesus intercedes for his own, chapter 17. And then Jesus invites his own into a special blessing and a privilege, uh, chapter 15, the end of verse 16, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And we're going to be looking at those blessings uh, and the things that Jesus does for his own as we move ahead. They're special blessings. There's a unique love that Jesus has for his own people. And we see that in our opening verse, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved, Jesus loved, and now he continues to love his own. And the phrase to the end certainly applies to the end of Jesus' life. It also applies to the end of the disciples' life. But to the end also refers to without end. It's a word that means without end, forever. The word literally means he loves us to perfection. Jesus loves his own without end. He loves us forever. He loves us with a perfect love that has no end. And why does he love us so much? Why does Jesus love us with a love that has no end? To some extent, there's no answer. To some extent, there's no answer. Obviously, he didn't love us because we're lovable. Oh, some of you are more lovable than others, perhaps. But by Jesus' standards, we're not lovable. God is just. We're unjust. 
God is holy, we're unholy. God is love, we're filled with hatred and with sin. And yet He loves us, Romans 5.8, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You realize what that means? Jesus didn't wait for you to get it all figured out. Jesus didn't wait for all that mess to come out of your life. He loved you while you were still sinners. And He loves us now while we're still sinners. God didn't love us because we first loved Him. 1 John 4.10, In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. And again, the Lord didn't love us because of anything we did. From my sabbatical reading, Titus 3.5, it was not because of any upright actions we have done ourselves. It was for no reason except His own faithful love that He saved us by means of the cleansing water of rebirth and renewal in the Holy Spirit. There's really only one reason God loves us in Jesus. He just does. He just does. The reason God loves us is He loves us. Beyond that, we can't fully explain it. God's reasons are ultimately unknown to us. They're known only to Him, but aren't we grateful? Aren't we grateful that He loves us? And this is a crucial point if you and I are going to grow in mutual love for one another. You see, John was inspired to write so clearly in 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, our love for one another shouldn't come only when we're lovable. Because honestly, much of the time, we're not very lovable. But God loved us despite our being unlovable. And beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Our mutual love is not only for the person who loves us first, Remember, God demonstrated His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Mutual love is, is not reserved for those who do good things. God did not love us for any upright actions. He loved us for no reason other than His faithful love. And beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The reason God loves us is just that He loves us. And the reason we ought to love one another is just because we love them. We love them. We love them just because God first loved us. I believe with all my heart that God is calling us to a more intense love for one another. I had this experience about 10 years into my first call, and I'm, I'm at that same place now, and where God said to me, you've lost your first love, Danny. 
And the first love is to love Him and to love His people. We get so busy in the do's and the don'ts and the things we must do and the things that make us different and, and how, you know, one's not living this way and one's living that way that we fail sometimes to love one another. I believe with all my heart God is calling us to a deeper love for one another. I believe that the reason many people reject Christianity is because they do not see enough Jesus kind of love among His people, among His pastors. And if we're going to have that kind of love, I believe we must remind ourselves again and again how much God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loves us. I want to borrow from a Trinitarian outline that James Boyce wrote, and I want to just briefly remind you again how much God loves you. First, we can see the love of God in the creation of ourselves and others. Think about that. God lovingly created you and me and everything that we see. I fly-fished a couple streams while I was on sabbatical. And I caught a few fish. But it was more about being in that stream. It was more about watching and seeing what the Lord was doing. It was more about watching a, a turtle swim by. Or watching animals come down to drink. And just enjoying what the Lord has given us. Marveling at the beauty all around us. What a loving God. What a loving God to give us such beauty. Second, we see God's love in Jesus' death for His people. Such amazing love that the Son of God would die for you and me. Think about that again. You maybe haven't thought about that in a long time. That the Son of God would die for you and for me. I came to trust in Jesus' saving, redeeming love over 40 years ago now. And I still marvel that the Holy One that the perfect Son of God would die for a wretch like me. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Some translations say that all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. I don't want to get too graphic, but the word literally means a minstrel rag. The best I have to offer, my most righteous deeds, are nothing more than filthy rags. And yet the perfect Son of God, think about it, the perfect Son of God would die for you and for me. See what love the Father has lavished upon us. Lavished upon us. And finally, completing the Trinitarian formula, the Holy Spirit has regenerated us and He's called us to Himself. Out of love, God chose us. God chose you. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. We were born anew to life abundant and life eternal. And make no mistake, it was His love. It was His grace that drew us in. He chose us. We never would have chosen Him on our own it was the sweet drawing of his love that gave us salvation and here's the thing folks god didn't have to love us god the father son and holy spirit is utterly complete without you and without me 
He doesn't need us, but He wants us. He desires us. He delights in us. He chooses us. The, despite the fact that the best we can do is nothing more than filthy rags, God loves us and God treasures us. And again, one of the things I believe that we believers need more than anything else is a renewed sense of just how much God loves us. We'll never understand it completely. We'll never be able to fully fathom it or fully describe it, but we can get a greater sense of the love of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And hopefully in more fully understanding His great love, we can have a deeper, more intense, mutual love for one another. You see, our love for God and and for each other always comes out of God's first loving us. Next week, we're going to look at a demonstration of of Jesus' love, and we're going to see how sacrificial we're, we're called to love one another. But for this week, I want to urge you, and I'm serious about this, I want to urge you every day this week, every day, starting right now when you get out of worship, to ponder and to meditate upon how much God loves you. Remember, He loves you so much that He created you. The Bible says He knit you together in your mother's womb. And that's, that's very intricate. He took His time. He knit you together and made you just the way He wants you to be. And He sustains you. And He created and sustains everything around us. Remember this week that He paid the price for your sin and my sin by His great love in Jesus. Remember, He loves you so much that He called you to Himself by the Holy Spirit and He gave the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. The Holy Spirit is with you if you trust in Christ and He's sustaining you and empowering you and guiding you every day. Beloved, do you realize that if you're one of God's own, it's because He loved you? He desired you. He chose you. Oh, see what love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God, for that is who we are. God loves you just because God loves you. Let's pray together. Lord, I've had some time to, to bask in Your love again. and I'm praying for some time for Your people to bask in Your love again. Oh Lord, there's things we need to work on. There's things we need to do. We all have that. But, but I'm asking this week that we could just bask in Your love. That we could just remember how much You love us. It's not because of anything we did. In fact, our works are a little more than filthy rags. Oh, you want them, you desire them, but in the end, it's your love that puts us in right relationship with you. 
Lord, I pray that your people would sense that in you. Pray that we'd experience that so much that we can't help but say, as the Father has loved us, so we love one another. But Lord, just fill us with love. I don't know, Lord, maybe one of us, some of us needs to feel like that newborn baby that's just snuggled in your love again. We've known it for a long time, but we've taken it for granted. Do a new work in our lives, Lord. Show us, demonstrate to us again and again your great, 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 great love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you, today and forevermore. Amen.